0: Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're going to talk about Ogden today, specifically 25th Street. A new book, 25th Street Confidential by Val Hawley. The subtitle is Drama, Decadence, and Dissipation Along Ogden's Rowdiest Road. And this is emblematic, Val Hawley says, of larger themes in Utah and U.S. history. First, however, this comment uh, following up on our program from uh, last week, I believe this was, on the anniversary of the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Um, later, uh, several days after the program, Charles Asher's comments on this. I wanted to share this with you. This is from our Facebook page. You can find this on our Facebook page on the JFK assassination. Charles wrote, For many of us baby boomers, the Kennedy assassination began a jarring transition from Disneyland to Vietnam. There we were, the most post-World War II wealth-enabled, the most Walt Disney-entertained, the best educated, the most pampered, the most indulged bunch of kids the world had ever known. And then suddenly, uh, hey, young man, we need you to go soak up some bullets over there in a country you never heard of, straight from Disneyland to Vietnam, huh? Can you blame us for going a bit crazy with the long hair, the flowers, the beards, and the whole Jesus Christ look? Hey, we baby boomers could have been the greatest generation, too, uh, if uh, the greatest generation had given us a winnable war to work with. Of course, look who's talking to Generation X, Y, and Z, who, too, could have uh, been the greatest generation. But for the unwinnable wars, we baby boomers handed you. I'm sorry. You know, ever since the Kennedy assassination, our wars just haven't been the same. We need some other way to be great. It's Charles Ashurst. You can comment on this i respond to Charles' comment or respond to uh, anything on our Facebook page, Utah Public Radio Facebook page. Generations of Ogdenites have grown up absorbing 25th Street's legends of corruption, menace, and depravity. The rest of Utah has tended to judge Ogden by that street's gaudy reputation. In his new book, 25th Street Confidential, Val Holley traces Ogden's transformation from quiet hamlet to chaotic railroad junction as waves of non-Mormon fortune seekers swelled the city's population and the city's outsized role in Ogden Annals illuminates larger themes in Utah and U.S. history. Most specifically, 25th Street was a crucible of Mormon-Gentile conflict. Val Valhauley uh, tells us the street was targeted in statewide progressive era reform efforts, and during Prohibition it would come to epitomize the futility of liquor abatement programs. And he spotlights larger-than-life figures like Mayor Harmon Ward-Perry. Val, London, the most successful madam in Utah history, and Rosetta ducini Davy, a fascinating figure. Val Holley is a native of Weber County, attended Weber State College, received a degree in journalism for BYU, a doctorate, uh, a law degree from University of Utah, and a master in library science from Catholic University of America. And he's been a law librarian for several decades and independent historian in Washington, D.C. He's the author as well of James Dean, The Biography, and Mike Connolly and the Manly Art of Hollywood Gossip. Val Howley, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. I'm very glad to be here.
0: So, growing up in Weber County, inevitably you would have heard stories of 25th Street. What what sorts of stories did you hear?
1: Oh, dear, it was so long disparaged as a disgrace and a a gambling hell. Uh, In 1911, the Reverend of Ogden's First Methodist Church called it one of the most disgraceful gateways to a city on the continent— Even up in Logan, where you folks' radio program is, uh, Ogden's reputation from 25th Street was just terrible. We had a former city councilwoman in Ogden named Doreen Jeske. She tells us that in sixth grade, in Logan, her teacher said, if you went down to 25th Street, you took your life in your hands if you dared to visit.
0: Hmm. You quote uh, uh, Tom Owens, this is in the preface, I think, Overseas in the Army, uh, people had learned these from Ogden, and they start telling him 25th Street stories.
1: Oh, yes. A lot of those fellows had been on 25th Street in World War Two, whether just passing through on troop trains or whether having been stationed at one of the military installations nearby, such as Hillfield or uh, Ogden Ordnance in Sunset, or the uh, Ogden Quartermaster Depot, which is now the... Which became the Utah General Depot. Lots of lots of soldiers came through and experienced 25th Street's wild, chaotic craziness.
0: Now, as as something becomes legendary, there's it's hard to pick out the fact from the fiction. You treat this in your preface. In fact, you uh, quote Richard Seltzer, you say, chronicler of the old Hell's Half Acre district in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, he says, "What is known today is about two thirds myth." problem with getting to the historical roots is that the historical viewpoint languishes while the mythology is self-perpetuating. That's certainly true, isn't it?
1: It is. In Ogden, there are so many stories about Ogden, uh, the best about which I can say is that there isn't, there's never been any evidence produced to support them. For example, that Al Capone was hiding out from the law in Chicago in Ogden during the Depression.
2: Uh,
0: there's another one that uh, you kind of wish it was true, um, a uh, Kate Flint. Oh,
1: Kate Flint, yes, a very famous madam in early Utah uh, railroad era history. In in Utah, she uh, operated her, her bordellos in Corinne and Salt Lake, but there was never any evidence that she operated in Ogden. So for her to have purchased. The rumor is that she purchased Brigham Young's carriage at auction, and then, as sort of a thumb in the eye to the Mormon population of Utah, drove it through the streets of Ogden. There's no evidence that she purchased the uh, the carriage. It was a, a joke in the Salt Lake Tribune.
0: <laughs> and uh, there's a Fanny Dawson who's uh, supposed to have been a uh, serial killer.
1: Oh, yes. I, I'm not quite sure how that uh, story got started, because the record... <clears throat> shows that Fanny Dawson was never tried for a murder. The, the most serious thing she ever was charged with was operating a boarding house without a license. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, your first chapter is titled Ogden Envy. I want to ask you why that. Here, here's, your, uh, here's a quote and epigraph before you start the chapter. This is a quote from the Salt Lake Tribune. Ogden has one advantage uh, comparing Ogden to Salt Lake City. Its people are wickeder than ours, and the wicked people as a rule are different from those who get all their punishment in this world.
1: The source of the great envy that Salt Lake had for Ogden in the 19th century was the railroad. Brigham Young desperately wanted the Union Pacific Railroad to be routed through Salt Lake City. But because the topography to do that was far more prohibitive, uh, the Union Pacific routed the railroad through Ogden and around the north side of the Great Salt Lake. That was really the source of uh, all of the envy that Salt Lake had harbored for Ogden. All the financial benefit from the railroad came into Ogden and not Salt Lake.
0: And uh, until the railroad came, you write that Ogden was just sort of a sleepy, typical Mormon outpost.
1: That's correct. It was just considered a, a sleepy town on the stage road into Idaho and Montana. But once the railroad got there... Construction began and uh, travelers came through and their expectations of hospitality needed to be catered to. So you had hotel men and other people who wanted to make money off this, uh, off this phenomenon of people who, when they traveled across the United States, had no choice but to transfer from the Union Pacific to the Central Pacific there at the railroad junction in Ogden. So you had pen- people stampeding to, to Ogden to make money by catering to these expectations, which were somewhat different from those of Mormon culture. So There was a culture clash from the beginning after the railroad arrived.
0: I guess it was inevitable. Was it inevitable that you'd have a street like 25th Street uh, spring up at a major railroad junction like this?
1: I think it is inevitable. I think uh, any town <clears throat> that is a transportation hub has this one fellow wrote maybe they call it larimer which of course is a famous denver tenderloin street Dar- larimer or mission but every western town that ever amounted to anything has a 25th street it usually staggers up the hill from the depot or the riverboat landing and it is always a legitimate street what hmm. uh business-wise
0: yeah, so the the uh, you'd have a lot of merchants there, and you'd just have a lot of people traveling through, and so it'd, it'd be probably, you'd have the same character, I suppose, in, in any western town.
1: Yes, uh, there was a fellow named Paul Kinsey, who was director of field studies for the American Social Hygiene Association, and therefore an expert in prostitution <clears throat> all around the country. He wrote, the railroads that run into Ogden, no, that's not the right quote, the location of some cities seems to make it easier for men to become customers of prostitutes. Up to the early 1940s, Ogden, Utah was a popular locale for prostitution because it was a rail junction. Men could visit a brothel between trains and indeed might plan their travel to permit a layover in Ogden some natives would enjoy driving their cars to Ogden's 25th Street on Saturday nights to watch the prostitutes and their clients. Mm.
0: But very colorful. we'll get into some of the larger than life figures and 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 the history. i suppose i don't know, we we don't we have no word. Brigham Young perhaps may have regretted the railroad coming to Salt Lake if that had happened.
1: uh now this is this is interesting. Salt Lake had as much, if not more, gambling, prostitution, and illegal liquor.
0: Really, <laughs> it doesn't have that. So reputation? I
1: don't know. Uh, I I don't know that uh, that particularly bothered Brigham Young. I think he was able to deal with it. Uh, so
0: so it had everybody as much, but the, of course the reputation of the, the two towns is very different.
1: Yes, it is. I think the real reason that Ogden got far more mileage out of Twenty Fifth Street, which was its tenderloin district. Is that uh, you had a combination of <clears throat> politics, politics and economics, and cultural clashes going on there. In 1889, Ogden was the first city, first major city in Utah, to have its government pass from the hands of the People's Party, which was the Mormon Party, to the Liberal Party, which was the non-Mormon Party. And uh, <clears throat> that was that. Didn't sit well. With uh, with the People's Party at all, they uh, they started to cause a lot of disturbance and uh, a lot of <clears throat> make a lot of accusations that the Liberal Party was relaxing the enforcement of vice laws there along the street. So you had this, uh, you had you had the <clears throat> the Mormon Party, which was rather beleagu- beleaguered, fighting to maintain control of the town. But you also had the economic lifeblood of the town, which was the railroad, leveling the playing field, and that was a unique situation. It didn't exist in any other city.
0: So this that is a... probably
1: why 25th Street got the mileage out of its bad reputation that it did.
0: Were there promoters? I imagine if you're a merchant on 25th Street, you you don't mind its reputation as long as people keep coming.
1: Uh, that's another thing that has sort of been lost to history. The majority of the storefronts on 25th Street were legitimate businesses, whether butchers or milliners or grocers uh, and the like.
0: I wonder if you could uh, expand on this um, this Mormon-Gentile conflict. You say that this was a real touchpoint, this this election, the first city to to transfer over, and, and I imagine that conflict went on.
1: Yes, it did. Uh, the first... Gentile mayor there was Fred Kiesel, and he took office pledging to conduct city business without partisanship or discrimination. But uh, in spite of that statement, one of the liberal city government's first actions was to pass an ordinance setting aside the city block, which for decades had been home to the Mormon tabernacle for use as a public square. The council believed that the church had never secured proper legal title to the, the uh, <clears throat> tabernacle square. And because of that, they started allowing circuses to come and pitch their tents on Tabernacle Square and uh, other public things, public events, which probably were not in keeping with the spirit of the uh, Tabernacle and its its activities there. Hmm. That, of course, probably really stirred up the People's Party more than,
2: Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the USU Extension 4 H and youth programs dedicated to ATV safety through promoting safe riding practices and environmental awareness. Information at utah4h.org. Next time on Living on Earth, new
3: evidence that pesticides can affect the children of farm workers.
4: When they were seven, the kids who had had the highest prenatal exposure tested lower on IQ tests. They had a seven-point, on average, lower score.
3: And those lower IQ scores and other impacts can add up to high costs for society. I'm Steve Kerwood, and that's next time on Living on Earth from PRI.
1: Monday morning at 3 and Wednesday morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio.
4: For the latest in Utah news and information, join us weekdays at 5.30 during all things considered. Heard only on Utah Public Radio. With reporters Ryan Cunningham, Chris Holmes from Southern Utah, or John Kovash from Moab, your Utah Public Radio station. Heard only on
0: UPR. Become a member today by going online to UPR.org
4: and thank you for supporting Utah Public Radio.
2: The following is an encore presentation. However, we would like you to participate with this conversation. You can do so at upr.org or on our Facebook page or on Twitter with hashtag AccessUtah.
0: You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about Ogden. Ogden's history, Ogden's reputation, specifically 25th Street. The book is 25th Street Confidential Drama, Decadence, and Dissipation Along Ogden's Rowdiest Road. If you uh, grew up in the Ogden area, you can't help but have heard stories of 25th Street. And uh, this has tainted, you could say, or enhanced Ogden's reputation for the rest of Utah and in fact around the world. And there's some uh, larger-than-life figures we'll get to talking about, Mayor Harmon, Ward Perry, Bell, London, Rosetta, Ducini, Davy, and others, and some more of this history. Val Hawley is the author. The book is out from University of uh, Utah Press. You can join this conversation. Hope you will uh, join us with your memories um, or legends that you've heard about 25th Street. Um, You can join us on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. You can uh, email us to upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. On our Utah Public Radio Facebook page, this is what Dallin Phillips writes. I can remember my dad telling me when I was little that it was the most dangerous street in the world. I'm going to be sure to listen, so thanks for listening, Dallin. Val Holly, the most dangerous street in the world. I, I guess uh, parents, a lot of parents did uh, um, warn their kids not to go to 25th Street.
1: It's true. Even throughout the state, uh, in cities like Logan and Salt Lake, parents were telling their kids that decent people just simply didn't go there.
0: So even as far away as Logan or other areas,
1: that's true. That's yeah. true. It was known all around the state.
0: Uh, let me ask you: so that we have legends of corruption, menace, depravity. Um, I, I imagine to some extent those are true. But tell tell me how how corrupt, how depraved.
1: Well. During Prohibition, you can imagine that, uh, officially, liquor was outlawed along the street. And yet, ironically, it was easier to get a drink in Ogden during Prohibition than any other time in its history. And you don't need to take my word for that. Uh, There was an Ogden man named Ray Olson, who became manager of the Utah League for Prohibition repeal. That was in 1933. He said there are more saloons today in Ogden than there were in 1917. The sale and distribution of liquor in Ogden is freer today than at any time during the city's history. It was quite interesting to look into this. Uh, you know, there were there had been rumors all the, all along that during Prohibition the police looked away; they accepted money <clears throat> not to arrest. Uh, keepers of not, I shouldn't say saloons, they called them soft drink parlors, not to arrest soft drink parlor proprietors for selling liquor. Not just uh, local police, but the federal agents as well. So it was interesting finally to find some confirmation of this. There was a, a lady in Ogden during that, during Prohibition named Clara Molman, who was the wife of an Ogden City police officer, and she, uh, her diary was recently discovered in a thrift shop. Now, uh, Deputy Molman was often the star witness in prosecutions of uh, people accused of illegally selling or manufacturing liquor. He would, uh, he would conduct a lot of the raids. But in Mrs. Molman's diary, we learned that, uh, that he was often getting calls from bootleggers and as she put it, uh, they'd call every payday to request a quiet little talk in the parlor with closed doors and drawn, blind, uh, drawn blinds, ooh-la-la, piling up. And she'd say he'd come back from these uh, these meetings, uh, he would roll in at 3 a.m. tied up proper. So uh, <clears throat> it was quite interesting to find this uh, primary source on... Uh, on a deputy sheriff who accepted bribery money to look the other way, he was also—he uh, was also the largest man in the Weber County Sheriff's Department. And when the bulk of confiscated whiskey stills became so great that it was unmanageable, they handed him a sledgehammer and told him to uh, to smash them to pieces, which he did. So that was his public reputation. But from the recently discovered diary we learned that uh, he wasn't quite so quite so upright.
0: Interesting. This is how history comes to light a lot of times, uh, to, find, to find a journal in a thrift mm-hmm. shop. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, that was the fate of whiskey stills, but what was the fate of confiscated whiskey? Uh, Bernard DeVoto, who is Utah's uh, and Ogden's most famous uh, native writer, who was the first Pulitzer Prize winner from Ogden, wrote a memoir of Ogden during the Prohibition years that was never published until last year, also by the University of Utah Press. Uh, DeVoto revealed that the police would regularly deliver large quantities of confiscated whiskey to the local American Legion post. And, in fact, he said that the officers of the American Legion post, of which he was one, put in place uh, strategically put in place members of the police force in the organization of the American Legion so they had an inside track to the police and every time there was uh, some liquor confiscated it generally showed up at the American Legion
0: at <laughs> the American Legion yes <laughs> and that's from Bernard De- DeVoto i'm trying yes. to wrap my mind around that um, yeah famous famous writer i'd forgotten he was from ogden Uh, Here's a comment from uh, Shalane in uh, Logan. Uh, She wrote to upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. You can as well. Val Hawley is with us for the hour, and his book is 25th Street Confidential, Drama, Decadence, and Dissipation Along Ogden's Rowdiest Road. Uh, Here's Shalane's uh, comment. She says, I love 25th Street. I go there almost on a weekly basis. I enjoy shopping in restaurants. A couple of months ago, I went to a restaurant that Al Capone used to frequent. There's a room in the back where he hung out and played cards with his buddies. I heard that Al Capone considered Ogden's 25th Street too rough. Has your guest heard any stories about Al Capone's visits to 25th Street?
1: You know, they abound in Ogden, but I haven't been able to find a shred of evidence that it actually happened I rather think that that goes uh, along the lines of what you were saying at the very beginning of the program about the uh, mythology being self-perpetuating. Hmm.
0: So that, that'll be disappointing for people to, <laughs> to hear. You haven't been able to find any evidence on that.
1: That's correct. I'm, I'm afraid I haven't. The funny thing is is that uh, in claiming that, Ogden has to get in line with many other cities in the United States, uh, Aguilar, Colorado, Johnson City, Tennessee, they all claim to have had Al Capone hiding out there in Prohibition.
0: I guess what it goes to is the, the, the dangerous reputation of the street. If, if quote-unquote, Al Capone finds it too dangerous, then, uh, then it must be dangerous. Exactly. Um, We'd love to get your comments, so uh, keep them coming. Upraccess at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. Find our post. We have a a picture of 25th Street there, and you can uh, comment, as Dallin Phillips did. I'd love to get your experiences on 25th Street. Uh, The other part of uh, Shalane's comment uh, takes us to today. Uh, 25th Street has been revitalized, um, and uh, Ogden has done a, a good job there.
1: Yes, uh, that happened, uh, that, that began in the 1970s when a young architect with the Utah Historical Society named Alan Roberts uh, was driving to Ogden to help create another historical district. He said that he was driving on Washington Boulevard, and uh, somehow 25th Street caught his eye. He'd never been on it before. He made a left turn on it, and by the time he drove the three blocks from Washington Boulevard to Wall Avenue— where Union Station is. He had counted over 40 intact Victorian-era commercial buildings. And he was simply amazed. He uh, contacted the mayor and city council, asked to be put on their agenda, and said, you need to preserve this. And the photos, uh, many of which are reproduced in the book, 25th Street Confidential, show a degree of dilapidation that is just horrifying. The the buildings, uh, it's it's a miracle that any of them survived. I imagine that they did by hiding in plain sight because 25th Street was not desirable and no one got the idea that they wanted to come in and bulldoze them and replace them. But uh, city, state, and federal money was made available. And one by one, people, community-minded people, started restoring them uh, and made it into quite uh, quite a fancy boutique area now. The uh, the memory, the afterglow of all the decadence of years past is still there, and so people find it rather intriguing to come down, but they can find fine dining, live theater, uh, <clears throat> mixed use apartment dwelling, antique shops, and of course the uh, Union Station there is at the end of the street at Wall Avenue, and that now is the Utah State Railroad Museum.
0: Yeah, it's it's a quite a place. Uh, and, and you talk about that afterglow, that, uh, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? It's, it's... Oh
1: yes, yes. Now uh, Ogden un- unabashedly promotes uh, the afterglow of 25th Street's decadence in outreached to tourists. During the Winter Olympics, they uh, had a budget to put a lot of plaques and kiosks along 25th Street, describing the past, uh, the, the businesses and the activities of the past, you know, from, all, from, from the legitimate storefronts all the way to the uh, houses of ill-fame and gambling dens.
0: Let's bring in uh, Joshua, uh, who is, who's calling us. Uh, he's from Ogden, but now living in St. George. Did I get that right, Joshua? Yes, sir. Uh, well, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment.
3: Well, I just have a funny little story that my dad tells. His, uh, his uncle was a delivery man for the model laundry and when he would go on vacation, when my dad was a boy, 16 or 17 years old, he'd get to do his uncle's uh, delivery route. So he tells this story about delivering sheets to brothels on 25th Street. And he said that he went into the, the brothel, and, and the, the madam invited him in, and he sat down to have a cup of tea and talk with the ladies. And while he was there... Um, an officer, a police officer, came in to check on things, and the police officer happened to be the older brother of one of my father's friends. And so before my dad got home, the officer had called his mother, who had called my grandmother, and my dad never got to deliver laundry again.
0: (laughs) Thanks Thanks for sharing that, Joshua.
1: You know, I've heard many stories like that. In talking to uh, men who are older now, in those days... Much of the business in Ogden involved delivering products to brothels along 25th Street. More often, uh, I I would hear stories of delivering soda pop there, but in all cases, the young men, who were really only teenagers, would would work very hard to carry heavy cases of soda pop up the stairs to these establishments, and the ladies loved them. Uh, It seemed to be platonic and all above board, but they, they would take some of these young men under their wing and and, and, and <laughs> pamper and compliment them while they were there, and, and tip them.
0: Interesting. Uh, we have this comment from uh, Sarah Elliott uh, Langsdon on our Facebook page. You can you can post there as well, Utah Public Radio Facebook. Look for the, uh, the black and white photo of 25th Street. Uh, she says, my favorite story about uh, 25th Street has to be Rose Davy driving around in her pink Cadillac with her ocelot.
1: Oh, yes. Rose Davy was the most famous madam of 25th Street during the 20th century. She operated the Rose Rooms, which were at the corner of 25th and Lincoln, from 1948 to 50. She was a very beautiful woman. She had a natural instinct for publicity. She had a flair. She was a celebrity on the street, in the courts—oh, in the courts especially—and in the press. And uh, part of her mystique also involves her husband, Bill Davey, who was a burglar and gambler and uh, had his own businesses along the street. He had uh, what I think of as a miniature casino, the Key Club, 200 and a half 25th Street, across from the Rose Rooms. He had uh, a number of uh, state chartered clubs that dispensed illegal liquor. So between the two of them, maybe you could even call them 25th Street's power couple, of the mid twentieth century,
0: and, and you said uh, famous on the street, in the courts, and in the press. She was—I guess—she appeared in, in the courts maybe because of her activities.
1: Oh yes, she was arrested uh, rather often, whether for uh, raids on the Rose Room or for dispense for selling narcotics. And uh, that was something that uh, was also going on in the street in those times. She had a local physician in Ogden. Who supplied her with those to sell? Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> the Rose Rooms at 25th and Washington, uh, 25th and Lincoln, operated from 1948 to 1950, and when that was finally closed down, there was never, as far as I could tell, another business in that on the second floor of that building until the current uh, rooftop bar called Alleged, which was opened in the last year. Uh, and has become one of the has probably become the hot spot on 25th Street. <clears throat> it's, so uh, if for for those who are familiar with alleged if you go there that is now that in the space where the Rose Rooms were. Mm-hmm. The Rose Rooms first blazed into public consciousness in 1948 and I like this story because it involves my dad who was a member of a barbershop quartet from Weaver State. Uh, <clears throat> the Weber Wildlife Federation had an annual jollification party. They held it at the the Livestock Coliseum in Ogden. And they were accustomed always to having the grand finale as strippers. And so in 1948, uh, here was this program, and Weber College had sent over its musical talent to entertain, but the stag-minded audience wanted nothing to do with it. So here were all these musicians from Weber State trying to perform, and the audience was hurling bottles on the stage, saying, Bring on the girls. Well, the strippers this year had been furnished from the Rose Rooms, and beforehand, before the show, they had been circulating and passing out matchbooks, which had the Rose Rooms emblems, and uh, the strippers had written their names in ink in the matchbooks. So the police hurried to the uh, Livestock Coliseum and arrested not the bottle throwers, but the strippers, and this was the first time that the rose rooms had ever been in public consciousness, and immediately their rooming house license was revoked by the city commission. That didn't stop them from continuing to operate for another two years. Now, why would they uh, why would law enforcement allow them to continue to operate, knowing full well that they were there? Well, uh, Rosetta Davy and her husband were both valuable police informants. They knew the criminal community in Ogden very well, and they willingly passed on a lot of valuable information to the sheriff's department and the police department. Hmm. That's probably how they were able to survive for two years before they were shut down for good.
0: Oh, fascinating. Uh, we're going to take another brief break. When we come back, more with Val Hawley's fascinating uh, history of 25th Street in Ogden, which also becomes... Uh, uh, I guess, uh, colors Ogden's reputation with the rest of Utah and the world. Legends of corruption, menace, and depravity. The rest of Utah has tended to judge Ogden by 25th Street. Uh, and in present day, Ogden has embraced the afterglow of 25th Street's decadence, successfully successfully promotes it to tourists, and of course, it's a fascinating place at this point. When we come back, we'll have Val Halley tell us about Mayor Harmon Ward-Perry, Belle London, the most successful madam in Utah history, and uh, other... Uh, aspects of this history you're welcome to join this conversation we have a, a question from steve in arizona we'll get to that following the break and you can join us at upraxis at gmail.com upraxis at gmail.com you can join us on our utah public radio facebook page however you reach us we'd love to get your memories of 25th street your question your
2: comment more following the break Programming on Utah Public Radio is brought to you by our members and the City of St. George, celebrating the 35th Annual St. George Art Festival, April 18th and 19th in the Town Square in historic St. George, offering art, music, dance, and food. Information at sgartfestival.com. Don't miss the doc for the best
1: radio side manner on the next Zorba Faster on Your Health. It'll be a jam packed hour on healthy
0: living, including this tasty recipe. Feta
1: and cauliflower
0: omelets. We always have a great time, so will you on Zorba Faster on Your Health from PRI, Public Radio International.
1: Tuesday morning at 3 and Friday morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio. The Be Well Moment is made possible by the USU Department of Human Resources Wellness Program at usu.edu/hr.
4: Sleep plays a vital role in good health and well-being throughout your life. Getting enough quality sleep at the right times can help protect your mental health, physical health, quality of life, and safety. During sleep, your body is working to support healthy brain function and maintain your physical health. The damage from sleep deficiency can occur in an instant, such as a car crash, or it can harm you over time. For example, ongoing sleep deficiency can raise your risk for some chronic health problems such as heart disease, kidney disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, and stroke. To improve your sleep habits, try to be physically active every day. Go to bed and wake up at the same time every day and avoid caffeine later in the day. So here's to many long, good night sleeps, and as a result, a safer, healthier, and more enjoyable life for you and your loved ones. This is Dana for the Be Well program at Utah State University. Be well, Utah.
2: The following is an encore presentation. However, we would like you to participate with this conversation. You can do so at upr.org, or on our Facebook page, or on Twitter with hashtag AccessUtah.
0: Thanks for listening to Access Utah today. I'm Tom Williams. Generations of Ogdenites have grown up absorbing 25th Street's legends of corruption, menace, and depravity. And the rest of Utah has tended to judge Ogden, known in its first century as a gambling hell and tenderloin, and in recent years as a degraded skid row by the street's gaudy reputation. And though uh, the uh, street has uh, undergone a renaissance, and present-day Ogden embraces the afterglow of that uh, decadent reputation, um, it has uh, colored uh, Ogden's reputation, and it uh, plays a role in larger themes in Utah and U.S. history, most significantly Mormon-Gentile conflict. It was also targeted in statewide progressive era reform efforts, and had come to epitomize the futility of liquor abatement programs. We're going to learn about a couple of other fascinating figures from this history, Mayor Harmon ward Peary and Bell London, the most successful madam, In uh, Utah history, Val Hawley is with us. He's a native of Weber County, attended Weber State College, received a degree in journalism from BYU, a law degree from University of Utah, master's in uh, library science from Catholic University of America, and uh, for uh, some time he's been a law librarian and independent historian in Washington, D.C. He's the author of James Dean, the biography, and Mike Connolly and the Manly Art of Hollywood Gossip, in addition to this book, 25th Street Confidential. Let's start to this last segment of the program. By the way, we have another uh, about 10 minutes left in the program. We'd love to uh, have your comment at uh, upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. You can join us on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. This is what Steve, uh, his question via email. Do trains no longer come through Ogden? If not, how long has it been since the last train came through town, and to where has the railroad line been rerouted and why?
1: The railroad now bypasses Ogden. It, uh, it goes through uh, Salt Lake instead. Railroad passenger service started to, to decline greatly in uh, the 60s. And uh, I think, I'm a little fuzzy on this, I think the last passenger train came through in the, uh, in the early 80s when Amtrak replaced the service. <clears throat> Even that doesn't come through now. Uh, the trains bypass Ogden and uh, have the servicing done in Salt Lake.
0: When did uh, this, I guess, the the height of this era, you call it decadence, um, start to taper off?
1: I would say in the 50s. Uh, At that time, as I said, the uh, railroad passenger service started to taper off at that time and also Uh, Well, so the trains were not disgorging as many people onto the street. Also, uh, the uh, Sheriff's Department of Weber County in the 50s raided a lot of the businesses and closed them down for good.
0: Um, We have uh, have this uh, brief comment on our Facebook page from Larry Jensen referring to the photo. You can go to our Facebook page and see this black and white photo looking down 25th Street, I assume. He says that's a classic photo. Uh, Valhalle i don't know if you've gone to our page and seen that photo to, to maybe talk about uh, maybe talk about that a little bit
1: that photo on the page seems to be seems to have been taken from the uh, it was taken from Union Station looking east seems to have been taken in the twenties and at that time all of the uh best buildings <clears throat> From the commer- uh, in the commercial style from that era, were still standing and intact. You had a lot of three-story hotels. You had, at the uh, end of the street, where, the, where it intersects Washington Boulevard, the Grand Broom Hotel, and uh, the Reed Hotel, Kitty Corner from that. And uh, you also had the wonderful old Model T's parked diagonally on both sides of the street. You had streetcar lines. So all of what you see in the photo illustrates the enormous amount of business that was transacted there every day.
0: Yeah, that is a, a classic photo. By the way, how, how much of, how many of the original buildings are there? If, if I were to go to Twenty Fifth Street today and take your book along with me, how how many of these places would I be able to to, to look at?
1: As I recall, there are about forty one or forty two still there, and these were all carefully documented in. Uh, a report put together by Alan Roberts, who I mentioned in the last segment, who was with the Utah Historical Society, a very talented architect. These were included on the form which nominated the street for the National Register of Historic Places. That's now called the Lower uh, 25th Street Historic District.
0: Mm. You uh, begin your uh, chapter on the Renaissance with an interesting quote. Um, Uh, I'll just quote this. One of the most cynical clichés in architecture is that poverty is good for preservation. The poor don't bulldoze uh, historic neighborhoods to make way for fancy new uh, high-rises.
1: That's correct, and that's why—that's principally why these buildings have survived, because uh, when the street was so dilapidated, it was not desirable, and no one wanted to go in there and tear the buildings down and put up new ones, because at that time, certainly no one would have come.
0: The uh, the reputation that I remember, um, you know, coming to, never lived in Ogden, but coming to Cache Valley, was of 25th Street as a degraded skid row, because there was a period where it had that reputation. What, uh, how bad did it get?
1: It got pretty bad. Uh, there were two liquor stores on the street. In the sixties, there was the Salvation Army, and uh, just a lot of drifters, uh, alcohol addicted. Unfortunate people found their way there and uh, could either squat in abandoned buildings uh, or, uh, or, or, or have an existence in flophouses, hmm. which were <clears throat> inside the dilapidated hotels all along the street. Also, there were uh, there, there there was there were a number of restaurants that uh, were very kind to these people and would uh, feed them for free. And cash what few checks they had. Hmm. So it seems like it was a naturally occurring place for these people to uh, to live.
0: Before we uh, conclude, we have about uh, seven minutes left. Uh, I want to have you tell me about uh, two of the the very fascinating, there many fascinating characters. But. Uh, Uh, in your book, Belle London, the most successful madam in Utah history. Tell me a bit about her.
1: Yes, Belle London was there from 1889 to 1914, and she was a very smart woman. She was an excellent businesswoman. She had any number of uh, brothels on 25th Street. The most famous one was her grand parlor house in Electric Alley, which was an alleyway uh, between 25th and 24th Streets. I call her the most successful madam in Utah history because when Salt Lake... In 1908, decided to have to to create a, a regulated prostitution district in Salt Lake, which is now about where Central Station of the Front Runner is. They recruited not any of the famous madams of Salt Lake, but they got Belle London to come down from Ogden to uh, create and organize and manage it. <laughs> Interesting. She uh, she had the repu. It, she had the reputation of running politics in Ogden, and she probably did because she, because of her wealth and of all the uh, incriminating information that she possessed. There was a time in the Utah State Legislature down in the state capitol in about 1912 where there was actually a debate on the House floor as to whether Bell London ran politics in Ogden.
0: <laughs> a debate on the House floor? Yes. Yeah.
1: That's in the book.
0: Yeah. Uh, tell me about uh, Harmon Ward Perry. He was a mayor for a time.
1: Harmon Ward Perry was a, uh, a mayor off and on between 1934 and uh, 1949. When I was growing up, there were all sorts of stories about this Mayor Perry. And once again, we're going back to the uh, what was said at the beginning of the program about the historical viewpoint languishing while the mythology is self-perpetuating. Everyone was convinced that Harmon Peary uh, became rich by uh, pocketing money, uh, fees and fines from all the gambling establishments and the slot machine purveyors that were in town. But the truth turned out to be that uh, Harmon Peary, uh, he had his own money. He, even his political enemies more than once went on the record to say that he never profited, profited personally. From uh, fees and fines from gambling establishments, what he did was keep taxes low, which is why, especially the uh, the, the large railroad employee community in Ogden, kept electing him as mayor. Mm. Uh, but his opponents, and there were a lot of those, including the editor of the Standard Examiner, uh, were were just always thinking that. Uh, <clears throat> Harmon Peary was responsible for 25th Street's bad reputation, and, and that was what everyone else judged Ogden by. Uh, Harmon Peary's slogan was money going into the city treasury, which belongs there. But the standard examiner retorted that that means that Peary, who was, uh, in, he was a wealthy tavern keeper, can pile up more gains when he as mayor authorizes himself to load his tavern with slot machines. The standard examiner was afraid that as long as Harmon Peary was mayor, 25th Street would continue to be the trademark by which the entire city was judged.
0: Hmm. I imagine there would have been periodic efforts—you made a little bit of reference to this earlier—to clean up the street.
1: Yes, there were. In 1913, uh, people were horrified by how it looked. It wasn't necessarily that— uh, that it was a, uh, well, at that time, it was a bustling business. <clears throat> but uh, there were worm-eaten trolley electric poles uh, in the middle of the street, and some of the buildings had never been painted. And so there was a <clears throat> campaign right before World War One to clean it up and spruce it up and even change its name so it would no longer be, 20, be called 25th Street. Ironically, in the 70s, when the mayor and city council started to... Uh, create programs to restore 25th Street. They said they want to restore it. They said they wanted to restore it to its pre-World War I appearance. Quite unaware that at the same period people were quite unhappy with how it looked. There was also an effort in the 1930s to change the name of 25th Street. They felt that it had become so the, the reputation had become so bad that if they changed its name, and some of the candidates uh, for the new name were Roosevelt Way or American Way, uh so you had petitions going up one side of the street asking people to sign to change the name and petitions on the other side of the street where people were being asked to sign to keep the name and uh eventually the name 25th Street won out.
0: And uh I imagine city fathers are very happy about that today. Let's see. Oh they are.
1: Ha- has they a, are. Has a brand, I, yeah. I I think uh, 25th Street is now a tourist attraction and people want to come and see if it was that bad, how it got that way?
0: Just have a couple minutes left. I wonder, having you know, dived into this story, what what you come away with your you know your your biggest impression here or or biggest surprise, perhaps?
1: Oh, the biggest surprise is how well documented all this is uh, in the archives at Weber State University and at the Marriott Library. It, at the University of Utah, there is tons of material about this, whether correspondence or files uh, detailing, for example, how much property Bell London owned on the street. Uh, it, it's very well documented, so <clears throat> there's no need to rely on the mythology. Uh, you can you can go and find out the facts for
0: yourself. Mm-hmm. I wonder, do you run into anybody from, you know, Utah, Ogden, out there in, in D.C.? Do you, do you run into these any of these stories uh, there?
1: Oh, it's been so long ago now since the street was really uh, notorious that, uh, no, I'm afraid I haven't personally run into uh, anyone in Washington who who talks about it. You'd, but not so long ago, uh, as you mentioned earlier, when Tom Owens, an Ogdenite, was in the Army in the 60s, at that time, a lot of the old soldiers who were still in the Army remembered very well 25th Street and its, its racy uh, activities during World War II.
0: Mm. Well, it's a fascinating book, and uh, listeners can uh, can find out much more about the history. It's called 25th Street Confidential, Drama, Decadence, and Dissipation Along Ogden's Rowdiest Road, uh, just out from University of Utah Press. Val Hawley is the author. Thank you so much for being with us. My
1: pleasure. I'm very glad to be here.
0: For producers uh, uh, Bennett Purser and Katie Swain, I'm Tom Williams. Thanks so much for listening today.
2: Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the Cache Valley Center for the Arts, presenting Spencer's Theater of Illusion, a fusion of magic and illusion, humor and mystery, Friday, April 18th, in the Ellen Eccles Theater. Information at cachearts.org or 435-752-2206. And by Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan, open Monday through Saturday until 3, and offering 100% whole grain raisin, oatmeal date, and millet breads. Commentator Thad Box
4: Last fall, I sat by the Logan River watching an amazing bird underwater. Dippers prefer clear, healthy mountain streams. Upstream, a hundred yards or so, a beaver dammed a small streamlet entering the river. Downstream, huge brown trout lurked in the shade of a willow. This was not a zoo or a theme park, but a public stream in a bustling town. Dozens of people walked there daily, experiencing a treat seldom available to city dwellers. Recently, the gate to Riverwalk was locked. I was shocked and sickened by what I saw. Majestic trees had been cut. Heavy equipment had used the river bottom as a road. Habitat for dipper and trout was devastated. Thousands of tax dollars had been spent to turn a healthy river into a virtual drainage ditch. River experts and property owners along the stream say it will take years and many thousands of dollars to nurse the river back to health. The city and its workers were using emergency funds to control flood. Maintaining a healthy river system sometimes requires trade-offs that may not be in the engineering designs for floodwater containment. And all of this happened within eyesight of a land-grant university that distinguished itself through a century of water and stream research. The Jardine brothers started water research in 1914. Since then, the work at Utah State University water scientists has been applied in every continent on Earth. It's mind-boggling how the river was and still is being modified with its little consultation between town and university. The land-grant college system was one of Abraham Lincoln's finest accomplishments. It educated people, developed science, and applied results at the local level. There are many reasons why that goal is no longer supreme in our valley, or nationwide, for that matter. Part of it is because the government does not fully fund universities, forcing faculty to seek research for hire. Some funding sources revide publication in elite journals over applying science. And many politicians think that public problems are best solved by private enterprise, and they channel the funds to businesses rather than universities. Suspicion and jealousy often exist between town and gown. But whatever the reasons are, they should be solved. We all lose when public-funded university scientists are not involved in public projects. This is Thad Box. This is Terry Guy,
3: Business Development Manager at UPR. We realize that you have a choice, and we thank you for listening to Utah Public Radio. If you are not currently a member, please support your local public radio station. Go to upr.org for more information.
0: This is Utah Public Radio. KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM HD1 Logan.